Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that went down on Saturday's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever Ooh. you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we preview and review Collision, Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have roundtable discussions on occasion, wrestler interviews on occasion, a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Hamlet, collision, overall thoughts. Sneaking suspicion the power is back, right? Uh, and that might have something to do with the punker being gone. Longer discussions for different days. Uh, this is the first week ever in Collision's history where both shows hit for me. Um, there was the early weeks where it basically, as we knew it would, became a culture war. Yes. Collision is it. Dynamite is no longer it. Then Dynamite was really great. like And a total over-delivery on the card and everything else, atmosphere and all that. And Collision was maybe the platonic ideal Collision for me. A show wrestled, booked and agented at what we would now associate with a Collision pace, but with like lots of... A better of wrestler instead of Punk is the lead guy in Brian Danielson. Absolutely your words and not mine. But with a series of continuations of the thing, because that's the world we live in now, with Dynamite feeds into Collision, which feeds into Dynamite and so on. Like, this felt like they've they've really found the new way this week. Could be totally different next week. Dynamite could be rubbish. Collision could be a rubbish go-home for wrestling, whatever. But just for the first time... The two felt simpatico, and that hasn't happened yet, and that's pretty cool in a week where AEW felt hot again. Yeah, for me, there's just enough overlap where things feed from one program into the next, but also keep this soft roster split in place where it's the one night you can see Danielson, and I think Danielson is key. Um, For me personally, you don't get him on a Wednesday. You get him on a Saturday, and that's an incentive to watch because are you watching... The greatest wrestler of all time, not named Kenny Omega, um, in absolutely wonderful form. And this is the only time you get to see him outside of the pay-per-view cycle. So I'm really happy with that split. Um, But again, with Derby on both shows, there's a narrative through line. Um, So no, I'm mad into it. The pacing as well, just nice, elegant match, backstage comments, match, promo, pre-tape. It's not as... They've kept, as you say, the pacing. It's not yeah. as frantic. It feels like it's got its own identity. I think it was the wonderful Fraser Cranium mm. who said that. It's just, it's kind of perfect weekend wrestling. I don't know if this is by design, but it's just a little bit more sure of itself. Mm. I still have problems with Kevin Kelly. It's still weird for me. 
McGuinness is getting better for me, but just in terms of the gen, the general tenor of the show, I know that just it feels like I know I was thinking about the a weekend wrestling show when I just needed to be less mad. And this is. Do you know what act defines that feeling for me more than Punk ever did, more than Danielson is right now, more than Starks? Next breakout babyface is the Bing Bing King. Like, it's them. I'm watching this show, and I'm watching the development of this group from where we, we, me and you, let alone the fan base, thought Juice Robinson was at, thought Jay White was at, and thought the guns were at. And the four of them have come together with Jay White as a leader. They're ostensibly the biggest heels on collision. They're the troublemakers. They're destined for an awesome babyface turn. We have raced through the, well, can't keep them heels much longer. They're infectious. Yeah. They are a joy, like, unto themselves. And for the most part, they exist on Saturdays. And they have become consistently, whether it's big or small, whether it's the matches or the segments, or in this week's case, both, they're kind of the must-see act. And I get that feeling of... Oh, it's, it's it's bang bang gang time. Yeah, like what a Bullet Club Gold doing? Like, and it's just it brings a smile to my face as I'm saying it. And it's that that reflects like the warmth of Collision. That almost like there's too much going on in your week. Like Dynamite is the energy of a commute. Yeah, but you do that in the week, and then to Fraser's point and to yours, you sort of sit there on a Saturday. You might have a little bit of a breather. I know this doesn't speak to everyone's lived in experience, but you might have a breather of where you fit this in on your weekend, and you want to smile. You want to like open your snacks and your drinks because you've put the most of the week to bed. Yeah. Now, now Bullet Club Gold are here. Yeah. Like they're, they're always there exactly when you want them. And this could be the show. And you probably get that yourself with Danielson. This could be the show where those acts blossom more than ever. Like there's almost like a pay-per-view feeling to that. That's the benefit of the soft split. If the stars you love are on a Wednesday or a Saturday, you get that feeling that you described recently of the six days to anticipate. Yeah. Much missed. All we've got is two hours. God, That's I want that back. Yeah, the anticipation here was key because I was so into the thought of the Texas death match. Yeah. It was the first time since, you know, oh, Punk is coming back, is he? Oh, he's doing half an hour, <laughs> 12 minutes too long with FTR, is he? I anticipated this main event, but we didn't start with the main event, obviously. We got a TNT three-way match um, for that title. Christian Cage is your new TNT official champion, I guess is the way um, to put it. He defeated his... Mate, Luchasaurus and Darby Allen, and what I thought was just so well worked. It was so well worked. Um, Darby Allen is a smart baby face. He is someone you can invest in and get behind and support. And he knew, I'm going to enter a handicap scenario. So what I'm going to do is get some powder and make it a lot easier for myself because there's no DQs and I'm clever enough to see what's coming. A complete and utter hatcher job. Not the hatcher job he thought in a nice twist. As called by Brian Alvarez, we'll put him over. Um, so he immediately blinds um, Luchasaurus does Darby Allen before diving um, into um, Christian Cage with that incredible low pay. Again, he's just a bullet from a gun. Mm. He's absolutely incredible. He realizes, right, I've gone in a one-on-one scenario, so I'm going to do a code red on Christian Cage. And uh, Luchasaurus is still sort of blinded. I'm going to do a dive on him. And then just, what, what like, he's so good at matchmaking, Tony Khan. And Christian Cage is so good at crafting matches. At the second, like, this is all brilliant. It's so well done. And the second you think, oh, Darby's worked them out. He's in position, having got back from the floor to the apron for that wonderful neck snap move that Christian mm-hmm. does when he gets their face, just brings it back to himself, and their neck just goes against that top rope. And that's when an absolutely horrific but wonderful 
double beat down sec- uh, sequence happens and Darby Allen just gets killed. Mm-hmm. He just gets killed over and over and over again. His bumps are as sick and as pleasing as ever. His selling's incredible. You think he's absolutely got no chance. Um, but then he does that absolutely incredible um, comeback sequence, shotgun drop kick the cage, um, stunners out the corner. It's urgent. He's up against it. And in the end, Luchasaurus, when they try and do a belt shot, gets the belt in his hands for the first time. And the point out on commentary, this is the first time he's held his title, and that seems to stir something within Luchasaurus. He conveys it as if to say, you know, that's mine, yeah. and I've earned it, and I want it. By the time all of this happens, Christian Cage pins Luchasaurus after the belt shot from Derby, and this sets up later in the night, two out of three falls at Wrestle Dream. This was so well done, and I kind of knew the finish because when Alvarez called it on Observer Radio last week, I thought, that makes all the sense in the world. Such a great bit of plotting because you feel like it's all been leading to this moment, mm-hmm. um, but I want your thoughts on this match. I thought it was such a good opener. Yeah, Um Maybe this was where I started to feel as though AEW's cooking again because we did the preview for this, or we talked about it on the Dynamite review, I think it was, where Christian said this match was coming up. And both of us, I think, agreed, I'm sort of done with this. Yeah. And I like, it's been a long it's time. Weird. I'm done with this. I'll give me two out of three falls. G- give me two more matches, like this this collision match plus the Wrestle Dream match. It's been a while since I felt like Tony Khan has booked in a way where he said, like, shut your fat head up, Hamlet, and let this play out. And, like, actually making me want to let it play out because this was superb. I'm a total sucker for the monster figure, like, locks in and has a thought for the first time. I love when a monster figure is made sentient because they are all along. This dates back to, like that pretty cool era where Kane was lost because Paul Bear had gone back to The Undertaker, so the corporation had him for a bit, and that slow burn... I'm t- putting over Kane, for Christ's sake. Like, Don't. S- slow burn, babyface turn, TNA did it. Like, different degrees of success with Abyss. And now we're getting it with Luchasaurus, who, if you remember, has already had a go at this with Christian because there was that... Is he with Christian? Is he back with Jungle yeah. Boy? And then he reveals that, no, Christian has got him under the spell. Like, for them to... Consider well, we've had to turn the dinosaur heel because we've done everything we can with as a baby face, and then to, for that to be so effective that you can consider turning baby face through the vehicle of Christian as a heel is really, really inspired. And I love this like amateur dramatic stuff. Genuinely, I do with the holding the belt and figuring things out for the first time for him to put Christian on his shoulders. Somebody should book a spot of how you could orchestrate a turn with that. Yes, the should. I can't I... think of one, but it's, I'm sure one would be good. And then now you've got Christian in the Derby Allen match with Luchasaurus as the outside figure that you want to get back into it. And another go-around of these two when, like, all-in was a coffin match. Done. Done. Dusted. Finished. And here we are, like, a month later, and they found a way to make this matter all over again. Really, really inspired matchmaking, great booking, and terrific character-based drama. The amount of stories that Christian could tell as the dead dad guy, whilst they yet again do the kind of Triple H Batista blueprint as it did so effectively with MJ from Wardlow. Up to a point. <laughs> with Luchasaurus. Like, that has months in it. And yeah. Never has that been more important as we're about to enter the monthly pay-per-view yeah. cycle. You want Christian to be, well, like our example, like that we go back to all the time, Austin had no heels in 98. So it was like, we'll make Vince the heel and every wrestler is just kind of a, a token challenger. Yeah. You can do that now with Christian and Luchasaurus. When's Luchasaurus going to have enough? And in the meantime, there's what, like three or four more Christian title defences. Yeah. Superb booking and layout stuff for the months ahead. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think Christian's going to hold on to that title long. Do you think he loses at it's, it's, it's in Seattle. 
Ah, oh, of course. Yeah. But they got Danielson for that, have they not? Like, no, eh? bit of heat wouldn't go amiss sometimes. Yeah. A bit of heat would not go amiss. Where we then get a video package which recaps um, the segment from Rampage, uh, where Sammy Guevara cuts, let's face it, a pretty cliched promo about his motivations to join the Callas family. Um, Kenny Omega saves Chris Jericho. Then we get a backstage interview um, where Kala says, I'm not worried about um, Kota Ibushi because I've got this team. And he puts over this team, his new family, which will be joined for a trios match at Wrestle Dream by uh, Will Ospreay. So it's going to be Ospreay, um, Guevara, and Callis. What a gang of complete dicks. And then Takeshita, who I'll be prepared to think he's a dick because yep. he's so good, um, against... Uh, the Golden Lovers and Chris Jericho. I'm into this. It's better than the all-in trios match that they told us had 10 years of right. story. It's, be- it's better than that because they've booked this one. This is an AEW television story. If you go back to the Winnipeg Dynamite, this all really fits together. This is another example of a great bit of plotting. It's got so much more weight and continuity and actual booking in AEW canon than the Wembley... Oh, there's people next door in the studio. Sorry, I got uh, temporarily <laughs> thrown. And the Wembley Trios match, which I was disgusted by because it was Kenny Omega at Wembley Stadium meeting a singles match. This is a bit different. This is your first B-level pay-per-view, I think. So I think it's absolutely fine um, in a specific instance. What I particularly like about this is that Chris Jericho is very much a TV wrestler who knows how it's done in the sort of trad way. I think the Elite have got this really cool approach to it that might have become a bit unfocused over the last year. But I wouldn't mind Kenny Omega and these long verbal spars that Chris Jericho kind of man, like mandates for really his character. Much. Even as I, a heel champion, he's not done a lot of it. He did quite a bit of it as a heel champion. After, I, I, I kind of remember the peaks of it, but I never remember feeling like... Belt collect all. Yeah, like I never remember having that go, like Chris Jericho's doing this again, go away. He never he never strayed into cliche territory. No, he, he didn't, in, yeah. but I think he was so good at that role that it's kind of annoying that he does a lot of these, do some heavy lifting on BTE, do the brawls and the teasers. and the, I love the brawls. Kenny Omega can lay out a brawl where it's like, oh, he's got someone's got the better of him. Oh, he's just about to hit the V trigger and then someone slides in the ring. Like he's really good at that sort of thing. But I don't know, I just think Chris Jericho could be the best thing to happen to Kenny Omega through sheer, in your kind of like way of looking at things, profile him, have him talk, mm. have him appear in multiple sec- uh, segments in one TV show. I want to see more of Kenny Omega. I yeah. think Kenny Omega, going back to that 2021 form, being all over television, having these verbal spars and these long sort of non-wrestling segments, he's great at it, and I think he should be dragged by the scruff of the neck, into doing it. And if anyone is going to drag Kenny Omega by the scruff of the neck into saying, we need a 15-minute promo here, Kenny, it's Chris Jericho. So I'm really excited about Jericho and Omega when, realistically, I might not have been had Kenny Omega not had the year he's just had. It's pretty cool as well. Something that really works for me about Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho finally teaming up rather than the early days of the Inner Circle versus the Elite, and then the trios match that you pointed out in Winnipeg, is, I've said it before, if there's one thing I love more than wrestlers in the middle of a Grizzly feud, it's wrestlers that shake hands after having had the yeah. Grizzly feud, and there is now enough AEW history, there's now enough AEW law that we can start playing with that. Like one day, Kenny Omega and John Moxley are going to team together, and we're like, yeah, yeah. Like we are, ah. we're, 
Oh my god! You have to earn that. You can't just do that yeah. in October 2019. You have to put years in, yeah. create your legacy rivals, then put them back together, right? And it's and Tony Khan does that. To be fair to him, he does it with people that have had legacy indie runs. It doesn't count as much. Never feels as good as like. Yeah. Has it been on like AW and AW specifically? And these Jericho and Omega is a perfect example of it. Not least if you if you absolutely want to count New Japan, you can. But you could, if you wanted, you could have never seen a segment of New Japan in your life and the Alpha Omega story, and it could all be contained within AW. That's really cool. Callis's promo, by the way, to sell this match, like, took me back to those, like, Bobby Heenan, it's not a fashionable person to put over for obvious reasons, Jim Cornette, those managers that had to piece... Understandable t- and good reasons, yeah, too. Yeah, that had to, they used to have to piece together why their family, why they're stable. Even Jimmy Hart was good at this. It's like, does all of this make sense? Like, it's that, like, when's the day? Why are they fighting? Who are the people? Like, yeah. I'm dumb. Like this, again, loads more than the all-in match had. When Callis was like, Ibushi, you are weak. And I'm going, because of Kenny Omega. And it's like, he doesn't even need to bury the fact that Ibushi can't go anymore because he kind of sucks. He's made it a storyline reason. It's like, you were weak because of your love for Kenny Omega. Their bond is stronger than brothers. And it's like, like finally the Golden Lovers matter in AEW. Not because somebody has put together a 20-tweet thread from stuff that happened five, ten years ago. Really, really solid impressive plotting of a number of loose threads that connect when you just all converge when you nicely. look a little closer and you have somebody that can lay it out for you I thought this was about as perfect as it could be for a trios match this is already and I haven't even seen much of the action of this elite I guess or Kenny versus Callas family feud there is already so much more oh, that's why these people are fighting and yeah. don't like each other than the BCC versus the elite which mm. I said every single week they're surrogates for CM Punk and I don't believe the premise on that basis this is already more I get why you hate him yeah I get why this subplot is now dovetailed into that subplot it's is already like much more meaty believable, credible stuff that I can actually get on board with. At this point, we then go to um, Christian Cage backstage, dedicating the win to Nick Wayne's uh, mother, Give me a call. And in an absolutely, he just gets better every single week, Christian Cage. Uh, he's talking about Nick Wayne's dad, buddy. And I'm sure he was cheering me on from the heavens. <laughs> I've said this a million times, like the best gags, give you this ridiculous visual image in your head to laugh at in addition to the line reading. It's the idea of, you know, that meme yes. of the pearly gates and Buddy Wayne and Christian Cage, like, looking up. How am I doing, boss? <laughs> How am I doing? You're, Buddy Wayne, you'll do for me, Buddy. Like, yeah. Stood next to Harambe. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christian. It's Christian. <laughs> you'll do for me, Christian. You'll do for me, Christian. Absolutely and he sensation. will, and he always did. He always did. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is when they, um, again, great book, and we were like, oh, a bit bored of this one. And then, oh, two out of three falls. <laughs> bit of a flex from TK. Uh, second match is Hook and Rob Van Dam versus 2.0. Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. Uh, the general gist of the match is that Rob Van Dam's still really, really cool. Mm. Rob Van Dam can still do his stuff. We're not yeah. sure he can, but he pretends he can still do his stuff. He's about to do a dive to the outside, <laughs> air quotes, but he gets cut off. He just goes, ah, Rob Van Dam instead. <laughs> Imagine him doing like the one that he did to the Bama in 98, the one where he just clears the yeah. crowd. And he's like, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, they're just like secretly before a dynamite tape and move the barrier like 12 inches forward. Yeah. And the Bama's like, I can make that now. Yeah. And they just, they're just they've not told anybody. They've just moved all the chairs. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. That was that would be pretty goated. Uh, speaking of goated, Rob Van Dam, I think personally he looked a little bit 
more crisp in the singles match was Jack Perry, but it's still very much. If you put your like um, latitude goggles on, it's like hey, it's Rob Van Dam doing Rob Van Dam stuff, and that's really cool because yeah. I haven't seen it in endless gentlemen's threes in twenty thirteen on Raw or whatever. It was twenty thirteen. He had that Ambrose match, and it was just all oh, the magic's gone. The magic's when, gone. When he had um, Thingy with him, Alberto Del Rio's yes. guy with him. It was gentlemen's three. The magic's gone. WWE do not know how to make stars, much less preserve auras of stars. Mm. This is completely different. And it's 10 years later, so he's physically, like, way more shot than he ever was. Um, you get a really, really cool spot uh, where Hook sends Parker to, uh, you know, a different realm with a wonderful exploder suplex. This is when RVD hits a rolling thunder, and that's when Hager comes in with a chair. It's like the perfect person to think, why would you do that? Because you know you're going to get hit in the face with a chair. Oh, it's because you're an idiot. You're Jake Hager. I've seen your social media activity. I know you're pretty <laughs> stupid. The Greta Thunberg tweet, man. Which Remember one was that it? one? What is it? It's Greta... Greta Thunberg? Thunberg. Yeah. He just co-tweeted a, like a 16-year-old girl. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. It's like, oh, I don't think... <laughs> I think maybe you're the idiot here. So you think, oh... Someone's got a chair right in front of their face. It's like, oh, take it. Of course he's an idiot. He's not going to know that. And then he gets the kick in the face. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. A bit of agility um, from the supple Rob Mm -hmm. Van Dam. And then he hits a really, really cool um, five-star frog splash on Menard as Hook has Parker in the red rum. Lovely knockabout fun, this. I was sky high on this, you know. Um, I don't love that, A... The JAS are pretty much just the JAS without the, what the, the, the AS. Do they appreciate the, the appreciation side? Get Hager away from Omega. So it's, I don't mind it in that respect, but it's still stupid. Kenny O'Hager. Yeah, oh, like shut the, up, man. It's like, so they're a weird act without the yeah. J of the J, you know, and the fact they left them and that was actually the story. There was no twist coming. It was like, yeah, we just finished with Jericho. That's really odd way for this stable to stick together and it's yet be. good carny stuff from Jericho. It is. Uh, <laughs> one thing on Jericho, again, because it's Jericho, you know how it's, uh, sorry, I'll, I know I've just stepped on your dick. But you know when people just say things without really thinking about them because it's the cool thing Mm. to think about or it's just been normalized. I think Jericho is a clout vampire (laughs) discourse. It's reached such a point where people don't get it anymore. Mm. It's like, oh, glomming onto this, glomming onto that, or he's trying to work a program with them sort of thing. It's like, well, think about this. The elite are pretty cold. Yeah. The elite are pretty cold. So people are... Jericho, glomming on to Omega. It's like, what? Yeah. It's like, he's not glomming on to, I don't know, he's really hot in AEW right now. MJF and Adam Cole. MJF and Adam Cole. He, he tried it for a week with his, like, are we friends or are we enemies? And then, but they've gone straight on to the yeah, next bit of the story. absolutely. So it's, he's gone, if anything, between two pretty cold acts, trying to get something clicking with them. Yeah, Judge Jer- uh, Jericho has done plenty of really bad stuff earnestly. Judge him on that. Yes, Not, exactly. Don't, don't make up bad stuff. There's loads of real stuff there. Exactly. Yeah, there's plenty, plenty of his runs sucked, actually. it's uh, The one for me is always like, uh, huh, check the uh, results. I think you'll find he's lost to all of these opponents that he supposedly buried. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> no, this. Um, uh, they're a weird group. Uh, and it was okay. They were like well positioned to lose here to RVD and Hook, but I'm not yet quite out of the woods with AW in 2023. That I don't think we get a second bite of this because, well, Orange Cassidy was positioned as Hook's new mate, and instead RVD stepped in. So it kind of feels like a trios match this way comes. Orange Cassidy. They're still mates because Hook and Cassidy are in the four way tag on yeah. Wrestle Dream. But I could see RVD 
becoming part of that little group and then doing Rob Van Dam but a lazy version oh yeah uh, with the thumbs that's great yeah. that's really good so like I could see them as a trio maybe against these because you have to fill Rampage or whatever uh, Arvid in Hook I think is I don't know how it works so well because both of these people belong with somebody that carries the body of the match yeah they're both the hot tag and yet I thought this was super effective where like you could flip this RVD the weathered veteran could be taking the brunt of the attack because the JAS have decided to target the old guy, only for Hook to make the target, explode into life, do his Hook cool stuff, make one last tag for the five-star frog splash. And they didn't do that. They did the reverse of that. Yeah. There is another ma- There is another version of this same match that is just as entertaining, and that's quite rare, I think, for a tag team like, yeah. like what you've got here with Hook and RVD. Lovely Taz Law. Like, there's something really nice about this, like, old ECW guy that is now Hook's mate. Um, can't help thinking that this is where, like, Jack Perry worms his way back into a program. With these two, like there is, there is afters with both these Worms guys. Worms is way back in. Yeah, you hate him, don't you? He's going to have heat out the ass. It's like, going to be great when he comes. He's back. going to have heat for the first time in his career. Who do we have to thank? Um, so I, uh, Jack Perry. I love this. Uh, I love this tag team, and I think it's. I think I did prefer it to the singles match. Now I kind of want more RVD. He's he's played another sting blinder on me here. He's played a sting blinder on me, and I think having RVD in Steamboat, I want more. It, it speaks to that weird present-day nostalgia vibe that Collision has. Mm. Like, having Steamboat turn up one week, and then, oh, RVD, I would want more. Do you more the, of the lads. Do you remember the Nitro comparisons about, like, how Dynamite used to be structured and how, like, you would bring in a random, like, flyer from the indies in the same way that Bischoff would, like, reveal a cruiserweight that you never knew existed yeah. that was suddenly a favourite wrestler? Nitro would do this with the old guys, but they w- it would be really sad how they'd just be losers with no entrances. Like... Come on, that's Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Come on, that's Blake Beverly. Like, there would be loads of them. Yeah. In like, oh, this is who they are now. It's 98 instead of 95. And three years ago, it's 33 years yes. ago. Like, in AEW, there's just a reverence, the likes of which you... Like, if... I know we joke about it with Von Wagner all the time. If the Beverly brothers somehow walked into AEW, they'd be the best tag team of the week. Oh, my God. Like... Oh, my God. Trademark notwithstanding... It'd just be like, all you could talk about for that week of wrestling would be like, mind, the shake out spike kicked ass, didn't it? Like, you know who uh, would take it as well? Daddy Because magic. he's mad. No, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega takes Kenny Omega out, would yeah. take the really mean one that was absolutely not on. Yeah. The Elite in Trouble because uh, Howard Page just got knocked out by the Geniuses Scroll. Yes. Like, the, like, there would be such a reverence around that. And Nitro never got that bit. They of, never like, got that. You only got reverence if, like, Hogan was like, I'll have him for the NWO. It's or, so much better in AEW. A lot of stuff is. Because <laughs> with WWE, they became caricatures. Yeah. Who still went over the young guys, by the way. Yes. So that was two problems. Yes. Right. And then even in recent days, it's like, all right, we've got Ted DiBiase. I know they've got him right in NXT, but what does he do? He does a laugh. Mm. He's a bit more than that. It's just like, I know, it's nice. Yeah, he doesn't. He, uh, he goes to parties with Kelly Kelly and Slick. Yes. You know that about Ted DiBiase. When he drinks normal drinks. <laughs> it's just uh, the reverence. It's just really nice. Yeah. And they book and lay out these matches and they put these sort of things together. It's like, you can get the very essence of that performer yeah. and not just this really bleak shell of who they used to be. Have yeah. it all, why wouldn't you? Yeah, AW's go to them. I wish I was Waltman. I'd have a swing down there. I could really do with a bit of one, two, three, kid. I think uh, he's so he's, sort of what's brothered, it, brothered in yeah. to WWE, fair, especially with Triple H and stuff. Uh, I don't think he would. I hope he would. Let's, let's see it happen. Let's manifest that. Again, I've manifested one, two, three kid doing stuff. Yeah. Like on so many lists. Like, yeah. Every time it's like predicting 10 Royal Rumble entrants, 
one, two, three, kid. <laughs> do it, it might actually happen. Was it Shakara that convinced him to shave the beard because they bought him some new kid gear? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you've got another trouble, go on then. Yeah. But he kept the bandana on. Yeah. Like, Whoa. <laughs> like, two guys. <laughs> two guys I like. Ex-kid. Ex-kid. The one, two, three part. Which is true because he was still only about 40. Yeah, I know. By like 2001, you received, who's this 50-year-old prick? <laughs> Get off TV and take Just Incredible and Albert with you. It's probably the, oh, I was going to say something. <laughs> I think the post-Monopoly era, there are way more many people who've stuck around for longer than they needed to. Mm. Please just get rid of the term expat heat. Oh, God, yeah. It's got to go. It's been, like, multiple, countless people who've stuck around forever. Yeah. That the, surely that should take that mantle. Just call it WWE 2010's heat. Yes. Laurenitis era heat. Laurenitis heat. Like <laughs> Johnny Ace heat. Yeah. Johnny Ace heat. And we then get a video package um, recapping... Um, Kingston's ROH World Title victory at Grand Slam, and then he challenges. Oh my God! Katsuyori Shibata. Oh my God! To a match oh at God. the imminently goated Wrestle Dream. Oh my God! He's putting the ROH World and New Japan Strong Openweight Championship on the line. This is the sort of match where they've each got such personality and they each know how to behave in such a hard way that they could not really hit each other that hard for like eight minutes, save it till the end, and I'd still think it's the most badass stuff of all time. Yeah. I, I cannot I, wait for this match. I think like mine and other people's biases show when it comes to Eddie Kingston because I would be critical of uh, the Hardy Boys getting booked because the Young Bucks want the Hardy Boys booked. A lot of Eddie Kingston matches happen because Eddie Kingston desperately wants them and Tony Khan wants to provide them for him. And it's like, isn't that the same? Yes. But, but it's Shabbat versus Kingston. Eddie Kingston outcomes are substantially better for everybody. Yes. So yes, it might be for the boys, but it's also for the fans. It can be both. It can be Whereas both. the Hardy ones are always just, for, the Dark Order ones are always just for the boys. Yeah. Like there needs to be a, more of a compromise here. And I think that's it with Kingston. I'm not as high on it as like, as I imagine you were when you saw it. Oh my God. Like, I know like, and, oh my God. but I get it. And it's going to rule on the night. The Dadleys go off topic a little bit because Wilborn isn't in the room. I saw a bit of discourse over the weekend and it hadn't occurred to me until uh, Kingston won the belt. They've done it again with Ring of Honor, haven't they? All, I want the day in. All the belts apart from it. And by the way, the Athena stuff is good. It's the one thing I have to watch every week. She's the only champion that exists for Ring of Honor at this point. Every other set of belts now live in AW, and I thought we'd moved away from that very consciously by the end of 2022. And it's insidiously, like Jack Perry, worked its way back into AEW, hasn't it? Like with the um, the page stop, isn't it? So, what, yeah, what's going on there ahead of a new TV deal? Because it feels a bit suspicious to me, unless it's a total accident. Just do Rampage. Just do ROH. And all out, man, are they? It's this initial like these. And I why that I but it's becoming prominent as yeah. you say more than one pe- person has uh, detected this on x over the weekend hang on there's some real stars in the orbit of those roh titles mjf hangman page kingston they're not pulling up on youtube or whatever it is fight plus to work that's Ravonna, it that's yeah. it they're not gonna be on honor club i can't imagine they'd be on honor club regularly um so yeah something's definitely up um and tony khan's got a huge announcement you'd be surprised to know what this week at Wrestle Dream, oh, the new, a new era, era begins. Yeah. That's got to be the what if he changes Max. the name? What if he just changes it? What if he loves Ring of Honor so much <laughs> that he's because obviously he would have loved to have bought it, but by that time it was like, like the brand's dead. You can't start it in arenas. It's, mm. it's Ring of Honor. What if his plan all along was let's make it ROH? I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it, and I'm going to backdoor it in ROH call on AW like NWA TNA in the early years. Oh my god! That oh, I'm sorry. Oh my god! Sorry, <laughs> get the intonation right. Oh my, oh my god's there. Dark Order do another commercial. 
Um, they said, they're good. Well, I call them, it should have all along called them the Order of Light or like, you know, something nice. Yeah. Like you don't join a cult <laughs> called Evil Corp. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's you, the parody and like the sort of the parody of those yes. films, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh, we're Evil Corp. Yeah. Come and make your life better with Evil Corp. It's like, why did they call them the Dark Order? That was such a, sh- it's a stupid idea at the best of times, even though it holistically well, yeah, fit Death it. Incorporated want nothing but life. Yes, <laughs> yes. Even though it holistically quite well fit into the wins and losses framework, a point I've tried to make several times. Yeah. Deaf ears, they're just so lame. Yeah, that's dead now too. So it doesn't even work within the context of what EW yeah, is. Yeah, I know. It used to work once. It used to work yeah. once. Um, they do this uh, bit where they're good. We'll be there for you. An evil Uno in, uh, what was it that uh, the Undertaker, speaking in tongues? Yeah. <laughs> said that we won't be there long. So. It's evil stuff. A wrestler goes on a losing streak and, like, they've done it. They've done this before. The Dark Order picks somebody up when they're low. This was what was happening with Colt Cabana before the story had to pivot. Uh, it kind of how Silver and Reynolds were brothered into the Dark yeah. Order, so that like all of this smashed off uh, Ortiz and Santana. Yeah, like all of this works a bit, but is the problem not? How do you want to join the Dark Order at this point? Is the problem not going to be when they think a wrestler goes, "It cannot get any worse for me. I'll join the Dark Order." Right? Well, that's a bad start. Yeah, no, no, no. It, like yeah, I'm lower than. So I guess I'll hang out with these. Like then, what has to happen for this to make sense in wrestling? That, that has to be like thirty of them. Well, you have to win as well. Like you have to. The cult that then loses immediately invalidates the overall yes. thing. So then you have to start putting the Dark Order plus one, plus two, whatever. Put them over people. So we have to commit to this. When he repackages out the ass for this. Yeah. Make them the Super Smash Bros with a less litigious name. Beaver Boys back in town. Like, let's just do repackaged stuff. I think there's a lot of talent. Evil Uno, I think, is really underrated. I think he gets such a bad rap online, even in the context of what social media does with pro wrestling now. I think Uno particularly gets it in the neck. I've seen him work some great, great matches. He's the million-dollar man, a uh, million-viewer man as well. Silver and Reynolds could be such a useful, punchy, lively, baby-faced team who gets beat off FTR one week in 15 minutes. Well, it's funny you say that. I actually think that one of the reasons why the FTR Open Challenge exists is for them to see who fares the best in these losses. And then they get funneled into the Dark Order to build up Silver and Reynolds for the big title shot. That's where I think this, like... I would have that. You bolster your numbers. It's not the Dark Order, though. It's it's just... It's gone. Like It needs to be let go at this point. What are we doing here if it's like a a soft reboot back to the 2019 version of the Dark Order when you needed the 2020 reboot for them to get over and be good in the first place? Mm -hmm. Don't know what we're doing. I do know what we're doing. Speaking of I don't know what we're doing... Um, we get the kingdom backstage, upset at the best friends for um, costing them at Rampage Grand Slams. So then we get a match set up between kingdom and best friends next week. But that means that the kingdom, uh, the righteous, there are, they must have like the dark match to end all dark match before these shows begin. They, what, what, what? Welcome. Why are they getting it at Wrestle Dream? I just, I've seen nothing that hasn't made me cringe. Nothing that I was like, you know what? Even when like the Dark Order were getting annihilated in 2019, mm. I was like, you know, this kind of makes sense within the rankings framework. And if you look at the individual members, Grayson's like an ex- a literal explosion of a wrestler. Silver and Reynolds are like a pretty damn good tag team. Evil Uno can really craft a match. There's talent within this group. It's so lame with the creepers that I'll refine it, tweak it, do what you like. 
I, I could understand why they thought they could do something with that group. And they did. They did some incredible stuff the year after. I don't want to be cruel. And maybe it's my ignorance talking because I haven't seen 100 uh, righteous matches. But what do they see? And who sees it? And what's going on? Because it was the Bucks apparently going to work them at Wembley. Can you oh, imagine? Can you imagine how quiet that stadium would have been? What am I missing? And if you haven't got anything, let's just keep it brief because it feels a bit like we're punching down. You're missing the fact that we're entering the monthly pay-per-view era. Like the king- I thought, why can't you just do the kingdom? Well, the kingdom, I said that ahead of the Dark Order match all out. And it's like, well, no, nah, because we need we need opponents every month now, brother. Like, until we're ready for Cole and, yeah. Cole and MJF versus the kingdom, you've got to fake that. Oh, we'd love to book that, but you, would you bloody believe it? The Righteous have won a number one contenders match. Or the Dark Order from losing and losing and losing, get a title shot, and it's like... Right, well, that feels like it's for the locker room. But nonetheless, you've created... Work, do the work, Horseman. Well, right, but like I could see now this being... The Kingdom is the obvious match, but they've already put on a board where that's full gear. So who do we slot in before then? Who do we slot in before then? Like, look, is Adam Cole injured? Could this match even be compromised they've as a result? The graphic, they must have an idea that you can work it. I dread the prospect of this being like Power and Glory versus the Rockers and... Adam Cole going in hurt and the righteous somehow getting the win over MJF or something. Like, I don't know what the... That'll never happen. It can't, can it? Like, Which is so, another reason not to do the match. Yeah. Like I, the don't right- have, I don't even have the 1% of doubt. So the righteous are there to lose. MJF is going to have to cut the promo of his life. Well, Luckily, was, he's capable of it. I was thinking about this. Think about all the times that MJF has been gifted a, a Dax Harwood-like figure to just rip into that... Like, he could, he could rip into the righteous in a way where it could accidentally do damage to the gimmick because they are wide open for oh, just getting eviscerated verbally here. Um, he cannot go full ball. Can't, he can't even cut an MJF promo because it's, he kills the gimmick. It's one of those where He's it's gonna like... He's going to have to just mock the click and hope that's enough. Like, well, I don't gonna, know what he does, but it's going to have to be that Paul Heyman, Jinder Mahal, Survivor Series 2017 thing. It's like, what, how am I meant to sell this? Yeah. Maybe MJF sees something in them that mm-hmm. nobody else has because otherwise I'm fairly certain he's got enough clout to go, no. Yeah. Why would I do that? Why on earth would I do that? It's probably never going to go, he's never going to get enough credit for all the big stuff that he does, but the, the job of his promo this week is to be MJF and bury them and somehow put them over as I don't incredible. know how he's going to do it. That's going to be like masterful if he pulls that off. It's weird. Like, it's such a weird timing as well. Like, we've gone through every extreme with MJF this year where the conversation has changed between May and September of MGF kind of bombing as champion. The Daniel stuff was great, but that's Danielson. Danielson versus Luther as a main event of an AEW pay-per-view <laughs> would be unbelievable. The Four Pillars stuff, I said the same two words all the time. Noble failure. Mm-hmm. Noble failure. And then the MGF stuff happened, and the Joe, and it was just like this. He's gone from, is he bombing a little bit, to best AEW champion ever conversation, <laughs> and now he's fighting the righteous. We'll see. Do you know, and this doesn't work every time. As you say, a good mad version of everything. Be pretty cool. You know, it said we're, we're going to hear from Cole and MJF on Dynamite this week. Be cool if the Righteous music starts playing and they do the dressing up as the Righteous people and MJF's the big guy. And MJF could yeah. have to do the clicks. Adam Cole's a little guy because he's got long hair and they come out and they just rip the piss out of the gimmick. And the Righteous MJF would be better the clicks. Do you reckon? Yeah. Well, either way, they do the dress up and then the whole point is they, they're not taking them seriously and the Righteous can come out and say, it's really stupid you don't take us seriously. You know, we can. And then they like target Cole's leg for a beatdown. Shouldn't have taken the piss out of us, and then it's like, all right, we shouldn't, we should have taken you yeah. seriously. See you, see you Sunday. We'll see. See you Sunday, guys. See you Sunday, guys. Um, so it was meant to be Willow Nightingale versus Julia Hart. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. And um, they said that 
it was a mist before the show in an angle. I don't want to speculate, so I'm not going to. Ban a year for fake feeling ambulance promos, isn't it? Yes, I know. <laughs> it just looks really wack. Produce it a bit. Just really, really lame. Um, so instead, we get Kira Hogan um, versus uh, Julia Hart. Um, she attacks Hart at the bell. Then Hart comes back. Standing moonsault look quite good. There's a hip attack that Hart judged, but attack would be generous. It's one of those where there's no intent mm. behind this. So I thought this match was kept um, mercifully short. It's all designed to do that cool sort of suplex on the turnbuckle yeah. where she looks a bit spooky. And then she's gotten over that. It has got my world, that spooky stuff, but that has gotten over in it. Rings of Saturn gets the win, after which Brody King grabs the mic and says that, Chris Statlander, your time is up at Wrestle Dream. And, you know, it's one of those where it's that, this is almost the epitome of AEW spreadsheet booking, where what does it matter when you do this and then this, and then you calculate on the spreadsheet, this has to happen this week, and you arrive at 26 wins, except there are so many gaps between the wins that you forget that Julia Hart's won that often, yeah. much less that the only time she's lost was against Statlander, which is really cute. Mm. You've got to do a better job of telling that story on TV. I do not, I, I have no access. There are, I don't have edit or read-only access to your Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I need to see it on television. I believe that it exists, but you haven't done a good enough job, and that's because Julia Hart goes, it's the, the AEW problem of continuity, of lack of profile, and you just it erodes investment the way you do this because Julia Hart is gone for six weeks, does something for a week, gone for a few more weeks, and then does something, and then what? I'm a little bit kinder on this one, you know. Like it's so cute the way they've done it. She is feuding with Sky Blue. She has. They've obviously kind of worked some records into justifying the title match. The 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 last defeat thing is nice, but I'm inclined to lean on your sort of way of thinking here. It's like it's. The last loss to Chris Statlander is fortuitous. It's fortuitous. It's not something that they're like, and you know what? She's going to go and beat him for a year. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the plan and the thing, it's good. They're just not good enough at articulating it and promoting and really hammering it. Like, I feel like that's a bit of Will Washington knows the records and has gone, you know, by the way, we should add this detail. And they've gone, that's great. It's a great detail, but it doesn't really mean anything. But I feel like I've been watching Julia Hart's progression over the last month. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The feud is with Sky Blue. Like, 
the stuff that she's adding to her repertoire. Love, like I'm the last person to be sold on spooky stuff, but I really do like the suplex thing. And I love the, she's now doing like the stone face look when she puts she's on got, the rings of Saturn. She's got like, no right to pull it off. She's got such like... But she's got a weird presence I'll to her. I buy it. I think she's got this character figured out. I think she's like, she understands that it's not necessarily about... Magic powers are dumb, but there's nothing dumb about somebody believing they've got magic powers. It's that's intimidation, the, isn't it? Yeah, that's the difference. If you can illustrate that, like, I can put you off with the my own personal belief in my magic powers, I don't need somebody to shoot lightning bolt out of the fingers. I just need somebody to have the confidence that they could. That's that's the Undertaker once upon a time. It's not that it's not what he does, it's what he might do that was so effective. And that's why so many attempts at being the Undertaker are wrong. It's like no, you can't actually teleport because if you can teleport, all of this is pointless. And, teleport and tell the government because you've got alien powers. Yes, and like we only know one person with alien powers. That's the alien. And have you ever shared your powers with anybody alien? What? <laughs> have you ever shared your alien powers with anybody alien? <laughs> I didn't think so. So it really should be more common if people are teleporting. I think she's figured it out. If I'm honest, a little bit more than Malachi Black. Like, no. I think sometimes he gets a bit uh, confused with exactly what the House of Black is. She's just intimidating. She's just intimidating. Sometimes he's got that. There are times when he sits down. Yeah. I'm like, I would not just kick him in the face. You know what I mean? Totally. When he sits down in that position, the rational part of your brain goes, oh, it's an even in the face. Yeah. yeah. I get drawn into what he's doing where I'm like, oh, I probably wouldn't do that either. I would try and see him, meet him on its own terms. The or get trio standoff frozen. from CMFTR yes. where it's like, well, we have to be a three on three before anything can happen. Yeah. It's great. Like the, It works. I, I'm kind of into this. I think like... Be nice to Malachi Blackman. <laughs> I think, um, and I think she's, form is, I wouldn't say she's in form, but she is, she's so young. She's the best she's wrestled thus far and she's about to wrestle her. Maybe maybe the most complete wrestler in this division. So her and Chris Statlander could hugely over deliver. Uh, well, look at what Statlander's done the last two matches. Yeah. She has become known as the person in that division who can. I don't want to say carry. I feel like it's insulting. Her and Tony and kind of one and one eight at the moment. Tony Storm. Yeah, aren't they like, like if her. you look at Jade and Britt, both those performers have got absolutely incredible attributes that extend beyond in ring. Both of them can get a bit lost, and their stuff can look a little bit weak and a little bit unfocused. Like, she's so good at getting people to snap into it. Mm. And I think that she's the best possible person to wrestle Julia Hart at this stage in her career. Uh, we just got the righteous thing. I've said enough about them. Um, that's when we get to Jay White defeating Andrade El Idolo in a real Jay White match, for better or worse. For me, it's better. I kicked it. Yes, I love it. I thought for a little while, maybe it's a bit slow. Maybe there's a few too many spots where, oh, no, 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 Andrade, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he slides out the ring, and he taunts him, and he stalls it, and he slows it down. But then it all, the last, you can tell he's a New Japan guy through and through because the last three minutes kick so much ass, benefiting from the, the groundwork that he's laid throughout. So it's a bit slow, dare I say deliberate, and then... They start to sell the rigors of war. They start to register just how hard they've been hitting each other in the face, just how much snap is on those suplexes. And then it all goes to a point where Andrade does that absolutely stunning, stunning, better than Judas Effect, Judas Effect. And who, Michael Hamflit, did Jay White's kick out remind me of when he just rolls the shoulder? 
Uh, you, more than anyone, would know that this person could do a shoulder roll like this. Well, see, I was, my would have gone to like Roman Reigns, Kurt Angle, but there's a... Jeff Jarrett? Oh, oh right. The Jeff Jarrett where yeah. he just kind of puts his arm up. was like, is that how you should do it? <laughs> I don't know, but still really dramatically yeah. effective. It's just that one roll over. No, Jay White is, he's kind of got me like cooing again. There was a there was a point in his New Japan run where you wanted everybody else to see what you knew you could see in Jay White. He is he's he's feeling like he's going to end up being one of the best ever. You never show when the development. I need Jay White versus Brian Danielson on yeah. this show. Like you never know when. Give them an hour. Oh, that's the one time I'll go right collision long match. I, I I said it when he was in New Japan, and I still think it now. There is an unbelievable baby face in Jay White. I don't and think I, there is. I think there is, and I'd never want it to escape because the way he draws me in, and he does, you, you know, his work is there for the benefit of the baby faces fight. Yeah. And that's, and that's he's why he's so such a great good. Hero. Like, I don't really have an emotional connection with Andrade. No. Like, I see Andrade as a guy who is so good at a banger sprint. Just a Banger sprint. I don't really have a connection with Andrade. I think that's been a problem throughout his yeah. career, certainly um, in the US. And yet Jay White is so good at picking her spots. Yeah. So good at doing the when things that when he's rolling his shoulder at 2.9999999, part of me is like, oh, Andrade, you didn't get it done, but I want you to. Mm. And they're trading like the DDT in this match and everything. There was just so many. It's just Jay White can craft What's it called? Is it backward compatibility when you can't play like a PS4 game on a PS3 or whatever? That's when it it's not backwards compatible. Yeah. It would be if you could play a PS2 game on a PS4. Jay White is forward compatible, learning this particular art form in the long New Japan matches and then being forced to trim it for television in North America. That's the way around you yeah. want to watch it because the things he has learned that get um, like sort of folded into a bit of a tighter. A tighter framework. You, you simply cannot do the 37-minute Okada match like when you've got 15 in the yeah. middle of a collision. I'm sure you would argue that you would have had it in a collision main event once upon a yes, time. Yes, yeah, like you would. Like he would stretch that as much as he wanted to slash needed to when he was main event or semi-main event in New Japan. He doesn't have that now, but what he has are all the tools that he used once upon a time to be able to just like make an otherwise... Like, normal television match, way more exciting than virtually anybody else in his field. What he has in his locker is so far beyond just the last two or three minutes where it gets really exciting because you don't... It's the way it should be done. You're not supposed to feel yourself getting pulled in. You're just supposed to feel pulled in. Yes. And Jay White does it every time, and I love that. I also love because it's... And again, I go back to how the Bing Binging are just going to be the biggest baby face in the world one day. Like... Juice Robinson is his personal commentator. Is instantly you have to do it every time. Yes, you have to do it. Every <laughs> we're, we're winning, Nigel. We're winning. Like that's it. Like that. Like the headset on card blade. Come on. Like that's just come class, on. Like it? that's 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 wrestling more than what's going on in the ring. Really. Yeah. Like the the whole thing is a complete perfect package. I almost you have to do this, but this like the way this played out in this realization that like you can have to remind me as as the Will Washington of our office. Who's Andrade's mates again? Because we're obviously going to get Bullet Club Club. I've forgotten who he's supposed to be hanging out with. Oh, I don't know. Right, <laughs> but these like Andrade always has mates on the periphery, doesn't he? And there's like there's people to bring in to help him. Team for... with uh, Rush against the Lucha Bros. Yeah, 
There was a there was House of Blake stuff, wasn't there? Not a little while ago. Like he did it on his own, didn't he? Did it on his own. Beat him up on his own. Like I've been asking where's Roosh for the past like two months of my life. Yeah, there's obviously more to come with Bullet Club Gold and Andrade, but I thought this was this was me. Was it my favorite Jay White singles match? Maybe because Andrade is the guy that you want to see powering back at for the end. For me, still a trend from Rampage when he was in New Japan. That match is so fantastic. Uh, I should mention the finish is that after Andrade gets back into it, destroys him with a hammerlock DDT, and Jay White is dis- disgustingly great at literally everything. He's great at the stuff, right, that every wrestler would kill to be able to do. Mm. Just when to cut someone off, when to get into position where you actually feel something for the baby face of, oh, he's kind of got you. Triple H 2000 vibes to he's got, Jay White. Yeah, you know? He's so good at the crafting, the when to do things, like his footwork, his positioning. That moment, he's so good at deflating people, and yet he's so good at chops. He's ridiculously good at chops. Regal and Paul, a devil, they didn't get him, aren't they? Yeah, that's they, they would have loved They would have loved him. Yeah. So, like, chops, like those chops to um, Commander. Oh. Like, in here, the cell on the Hammerlock DDT. Is that right? He's dead. Yeah. He's absolutely dead. His neck has just been, like, killed off. Um, so, you get to the figure eight, and you think, well, that's it. But then the guns um, distract the ref. And then with the collision cowboy of the month, plaque. Um, that's wrestling. Juice Robinson <laughs> knocks him out. It's the sort of thing where that's a backstage bit that's made it yeah. on the TV. They're, they're better at BTE than the Elite now. Yeah, I know. They, they do on telly every week. And I, I can just watch it on Collision. I don't need to yeah. go do the digging for a little inside joke. Yeah. It's just there. He wasn't uh, better than be, <laughs> being the Elite at this point in time. Um, so Andrade is absolutely dead on his feet. So um, White is allowed to then pick him up for the Blade Runner. Just fantastic, wasn't Brilliant. it? Brilliant, yeah. It's a lovely, lovely little TV match. Um, the kind where you think, it's a bit slow this, do I like it? Then three minutes, no, this is great. Mm-hmm. This is tremendous stuff. Uh, we then get a video package of Ortiz giving his side of the story um, with a deal with Mike Santana on Rampage where they have this sort of tense... Good this, right? They're working together. Oh, they're working together. That's nice. I want to feel and like... They, and they've worked me because yeah. the amount of people went, oh, I thought the problems went away with Punk. Yeah. So. They have. It's working. It's Wonderland now, and they're working with each other. <laughs> yeah, it's, this was weird, isn't it? Because it's like, it's wrestling in 2023, isn't it? You want you want to know the kayfabe as much as you want to know the reality. You want to feel the kayfabe whilst knowing the reality. It's, that's, nobody's solved that puzzle. Nobody has solved the puzzle. Wrestlers can't do it on Twitter. Are you in character? Or are you shooting? Nobody can solve the puzzle. And then just for a split second, I had the feelings of, ooh, this feud, like, where's this going to go? Yeah. But, and also, they, oh, they've made up behind the scenes to work together. I got both. Yeah, I like that. And there's still, I think there's a really good level of acting here where if you were to tell me, oh no, they're still really legit, don't like each other, but they've just been asked to do business, I could get on board with that as well. Do you think the walking away is better than a worked brawl? I think it Much is. Much better. Because when the, the soon as you get, it's Edge and Matt Hardy. Edge and Matt Hardy, fight. I was just about to say. As soon as you see your first worked punch, you can't help but go, oh. Yeah. And holding that back right now, I think is really smart. Yeah. Because it it does always end up at that point. Yeah, it has to. It would have happened with Punk and Kenny Omega as well. Definitely. I mean, but that would have been the best ever version of it in wrestling. Oh, but, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm mourning every single day of my life that we didn't get it. Yeah. Can you imagine how good that would have been? That's two now. I was still mourning Punk and Cody. That's two. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty backstage. Um, Taylor discusses with an exposition-heavy promo his... Um, history with Keith Lee. We got it late last year as well, but we're doing this again. I... Anyway, Keith Lee's going to fight Lee Moriarty because that's how these things work in AEW. This is the podcast. This is not 
Twitter or X, there's no ridiculous discourse. You're not going to get people in your replies being dickheads. Has at some point, this is, I've got one conspiracy theory, and this is a nice place with lovely listeners who are very supportive. So I'm just going to say it here. And I could just be pulling this out of my ass. Could be a complete load of bollocks. I'm watching AEW for the past 18 months and the Lee and Swerve story and then the Lee and Swerve non-story and Keith Lee being in this position, Swerve Strickland being much more of a concern in AEW programming. And I'm thinking, why didn't they do the match? Why didn't Swerve go over Keith Lee if he's clearly going to be the one that Tony Khan cares about and they'd book him to beat did Keith Lee just not want to do the job? I'm sorry. Is that what's happened here? Because something's happened, and I want to know the freaking answer. And again, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Because was the last interaction the cement block on the leg? No. Did he? he came when was back, the cement block on the leg? Like the first angle after the? Now they've had the, they've had a tag match also involving Parker Boudreaux. Dustin Rhodes kicked around. Yeah, yeah. They did some stuff in the um, Double or Nothing Battle Royale where it's, oh, Swerve and Keith yeah. Lee have got some history. I think, and this is just might be my speculation, because there has to be a reason why they didn't do the match. There has to be a reason. It's so, Particularly when, it's one of those things where you could probably think, oh, I don't know who I want to win here. I, if you're the booker, I don't know who I want to push. It's very obvious that Swerve is the guy that... Yeah. Tony Khan wanted to do more with. So in order to do that and strengthen his push ahead of his programs with Derby and his program with Hangman Page, well, he might beat your favourites because he beat Keith Lee. He was the guy who got the better out of that tag team breakup. I'm wondering if someone just didn't want to do a job. Maybe. Because what is this? Yeah, no, I mean, this was rubbish. Like this is That would also explain why Keith Lee is doing these, these trivial, nothing feuds and... Oh, I'll, I'll tag with Dustin Rhodes every two months on Rampage. Why? There was a very early... Remember early into Keith Lee's NXT run where you're thinking, are they getting this wrong? Because he was... Like, he wasn't all talk and no action, but it was a lot of talk and very sort of, like, modest action. Yes. And it took a bit of a while because I think there were... I think it was just because there was too many people on that roster that Triple H couldn't concentrate on. And it's odd that it feels like it's happened again within AEW. Keith Lee is massively, massively an all-talk wrestler at the moment. Literally, like, he's there to cut promos more than he is to wrestle in significant matches. And I just, like, fine, build this, and I'm sure it'll be good. But I'm in, like, the credit debit of how much Keith Lee talks his good game versus how much we're seeing it is all to cock for a babyface. The babyface can't be talking up himself more than actually delivering it. Babyface has got to deliver Something's it first weird. and talk about Something it. Something is up with Keith Lee. Hope he's all this. right. Like, oh, this is a guy with the health issues, isn't it? So, like, the, the prior health issues. So, I mean, like, a political thing? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe yeah. a political... I don't know. There's, I just think you can't book a babyface forever by way. saying he's going to do good put stuff. Put it this way. If, in a year's time, there is some kind of news report of, basically, the relationship between AEW and Keith Lee hasn't been happy in years, mm. for this reason, for this reason, and now that you've heard the story... You can go back and watch his entire run and think, ah, that's why it was all weird and barely existent and stop-start. There has to be a story here. Like, I think at his peak, Tony Khan is one of the best bookers of all time, if not the best for my personal tastes, Mm. right? I've got all the respect in the world for him. I've seen Tony Khan book some of the worst slop 
I've ever seen in my life. I don't think he's that incompetent. Mm. I and I cannot, with everything I know about Tony Khan, all the highs I've been experiencing with AEW television, I refuse to believe that Tony Khan has had full control, had no pushback, and went, that's a good idea to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to wait three months and do this with Dustin Rhodes for some reason, and yeah. then wait. I do not think he's that incompetent. I think there is a story here. It, it would be quite the thing if the switching of the columns and the rows somehow inadvertently deleted the cell with Keithley versus Worth payoff, question mark. I know. Like, that just disappeared. I, yeah. just, I don't think he's that incompetent. One I year, just refuse to believe it. I really, really do. One year from now, contract season or whatever, verily, Mr. Levesque, we should parlay. Yes. And it's like, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah, there, has to be some, there has to be something. He's not that incompetent. He's pretty rubbish at times. <laughs> electrifying others is not this incompetent and I refuse to believe it and I'll eagerly await any reports to drop because this Keith Lee run in 2023 has been so weird. Yeah. Too weird for there not to be one or maybe a few reasons to explain everything. Um, And if it is, or if Keith Lee is happy to go along with literally anything Mm -hmm. and Tony Khan is doing this, promotional malpractice because Keith Lee... He could get, even when he's physically not where he was five, six years ago, he's still so much more than this. Yeah. Still so stock, much better The stock than is this. too low and you can feel it. Yeah. yeah. Um, up next, before the main event, you get one of the best four minute and 34 oh, second yeah. matches you're likely to see. It's the workhorseman getting beat off FTR in four minutes and 34 seconds. If you saw that written down, you'd think, what are you doing? What on earth are you doing? Because the workhorsemen are fantastic and AEW is usually so connected to the pulse. That's not what happens. The workhorsemen absolutely kicked their goddamn ass (laughs) for four minutes and 24 of those seconds before the ultimate smash and grab by Dax Harwood getting the pin Mm -hmm. on J.D. Drake, was it? He moonsaults him after this. It's a sharpshooter, isn't it? Sharpshooter, yeah, yeah, and then it's just a snap tap. Um, But, like, it it feels like such a, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm glad I got him caught. What was he trying? He took it. um, So the finish, basically, is... I think J.D. Drake, a madman, is going for a top rope flying head scissors, yeah. reversal into a power bomb, sharpshooter, and then an immediate tap. Mm-hmm. Because this is just an all fronts, all angles, annihilation of FTR from the workhorseman, whose tactic is we'll kick their ass really, really badly and very, very quickly, completely overwhelm them in this awesome squash sprint match that just completely took my head off for how electrifying, how unexpected it was. And God damn it, I need more of this on AEW television. Mm -hmm. Sprints, please, because Jesus, the in-ring back and forth. Oh, it's Commander versus a star because we needed that star to win this week. That was getting tiring. And again, it really feels like Tony Khan is starting to tighten things up. He's starting to realize what people were complaining about, what was becoming over-familiar. I need to see a sprint like this every week until it gets boring after a year because it's kicked so much ass. The workhorsemen were so exhilarating here, so unfussy, so urgent that I did... uh, They're going to win. They are going to win this match. And that's... Is that why they've been saying... Is that why they've done the graphic before this match? I think so. Is this going to be a three-way? They give you the feeling of, oh, well, it's a complete formality, this. This was... Four minutes and 34 seconds of an anti-formality. It was, if you haven't seen it, what a rush this was. It's fantastic. Like, the the, the moonsault is obviously going to be the talking point spot. It's funny in a week that we had that. We've, We've gone from, who are you, to holy sh in yeah. seven days. And it's done. I thought a fight had broken out in the stands because it was that, where is that reaction coming from? And yeah. 
the work and how unexpectedly exhilarating the work was. I think it's because it was so logical. I think the like the workhorsemen being like the wrestlers now being knowing of where they sit on the pecking order isn't something that used to exist. You never heard a wrestler kind of, or you never saw a wrestler wrestling as if they weren't the, the best wrestler. Yeah. Now you kind of have to. Now that like everybody understands where everybody sits, like the fact that me and you were sat here talking about squashes and jobbers. That was never a thing once upon a time, was it? You were supposed to believe that Jim Powers was going to stand a chance against yeah. the Warlord or whatever it was. Those days, them days is over. Like, so what you have now is two wrestlers that simply will not be boxed off as, like, jobbers for the night. And, like, m- immense credit to FTR for either agreeing to or contributing to the structure of this match. Because as champions, they didn't... And champions with a bit of stroke, you would imagine... Probably didn't need to do that, but also must have had the wrestling minds to know how effective this was going to be. Like, it really does make them feel like, like sort of tag team leaders. If they they've always had this whole deal about like tag teams, so Dax especially tag teams till we die, da, da, da. and it makes you again wish that there was less of the online conversation from the mouths of FTR. Because if all you were judging them by was their work, you'd be like, yeah, this is 2023 runs as good as 2022 was. Yeah. But in ways big and small, it's not just spectacular matches with the Briscoes. These are just as important, like establishing your legacy, just who the hell you are. You think of Ric Flair as the traveling NWA champion, giving Ricky Morton like the best near fall of his career. Yeah. Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express is not going to win the world title. Yeah. But in that second, you think he is. How has he done this? This is that sort of virtuoso stuff from FTR. Because that moonsault isn't just a moonsault. It's them kind of like like hurrying uh, cash to the floor to set up a moonsault while a dive is also taking place. Yeah. They're not doing it for the spectacular of the one or the B or the one or the two, you know, the one A, one B of the special moves. It's like, we need them both gone. And now we do your big thing, and now we're in with a chance. Because there's no one to do the save. Yeah, there's no one there. We've it's a total strategic off. squash sprint. Sorry for the alliteration. Sometimes <laughs> it's justified. I'm not doing it to try and be clever like some arseholes. If, if you imagine this was real, tactical tactical backstage, if you imagine the workhorsemen have got a football manager with them, they say, well, you can't just do your moonsault because they make saves. FTR save. What have you got? Well, I've got a dive. Perfect. If you're going to do the dive... It's a great um, turnover and possession there. Yeah. If you've got a dive, you have to follow up the moves. The workhorseman had XG out the air, <laughs> Out the ass. Out the ass like in this the, match. And then what's happened is, as you say, like, again, a football in turn, really, isn't it? Like, smash and grab. Like, 98% possession and you've lost the game. Yeah. The last minute winner, Cardiff in City. Like, the, this is what's happened in FTR. I've done it because they're champions. And they're still is, above them in the league. And, and, <laughs> and, like, the champions and this is real. Like, this is supposed to be real, and champions sometimes win ugly, sometimes retain their belts, whatever. Like, this is as important as FTR going 25 against Aussie Open next week in a back-and-forth thriller. Loved it. I thought this was tremendous, but it's the duality of Dax Harwood because I'm going to have a problem in one second. So uh, uh, I should have mentioned Aussie Open did commentary for this, as long as it lasted, in their suits. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. (laughs) They enter the ring. Neighbours is back. You're such a racist. They're Australian. Neighbours. Well, Neighbours is back, right? But it's it's done what wrestling should do, right? Neighbours went away because, like, whoever, Grundy or something, said, like, no more You neighbors. can't have 12 affairs and then say, oh, let's get back together. He's going to have another affair yeah. because, like, that's well, how that's television works. Now you're an idiot for believing that you can ever be faithful again. Soap opera stupid. And so was wrestling. This is the point I tried to make. Well, check this, right? They cancelled the soap. 
And everybody was like, oh, oh I think he's going to turn heel. Well, he's been a... Oh, I think this guy's going to turn babyface. Oh, that's good. Well, he's been a heel seven times. He's going to be a heel seven more times. Wrestling stupid. Awful lot of uh, murders on this one street that would basically make the papers. Yes. If there was this many, like, suspicious deaths. No, like, it got cancelled by the network in Australia. Big thing, obviously, Neighbours Goes Away, cultural institution. And then Amazon have brought it back. But... Is it limited? As a limited. Wrestling could never... Should. It should. It, I like, wish it would. Like, so basically, if Neighbours does well as a limited, they'll do more limiteds, and it can just be this thing. AEW limited. Oh, my God, those two words <laughs> together. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, we're about to have the new era is probably HBO Max. Imagine the, the craft of MJF Cole, Neck Health, Joe. <gasps> Imagine if they did that for half a year mm-hmm. and then had the other half of the year for you to anticipate it of, and for them to do literally everything with that level of detail. See for season two of AEW limited. Oh, my God. And that's what made me think of Neighbours as well as the Australian wrestler. So they have this <laughs> promo exchange, and I hate it ah. so much. I don't know if I'm just being unfair on Dax Harwood here, because I just got annoyed by him doing the, well, February can't come soon enough because we're going to re-sign with AEW. It's half, and you know, you know the podcast, the podcast that he did. Ugh. He says, basically... To sell this match at Wrestle Dream with Aussie Open. Yeah. Like, I want the real Aussie Open. I want the team who we went to war with and who almost beat us last year. I want that team. And Carl, Carl Fletcher says, oh, I admit it, we're not, as, uh, we, we're not hitting the heights we did at that time last year, but we've got a pay-per-view match. Well, how have we got the pay-per-view match? If you're not on that kind of form, you should be telling me, or showing me preferably, the story that, oh my God, FTR's reign's going to come to an end. That's we've said it before a million times. Low though we are in 2023, low though I was in 1999 when I'd read enough issues of Power Slam to understand what a human being or wasn't Vince McMahon was. I've always been low to praise him. He was so good at oh my god, fully loaded 2000. It's the biggest thing in my life. Yeah, I've just watched WrestleMania this year. This B level pay per view. Oh my god. If I don't can't, watch this, can't wait for backlash. If I don't watch this, I'm done. Yeah, I'm lost. I've missed out on the end of the world. That's how it should work. They didn't do that. They basically said, oh, yeah, we're not quite as hot as we were last year, but we're still going to have a really good match, and we're going to win the titles. Like, oh, yeah, because, well, the opposite's been told to my face. And Dax Harwood, they're trying to square off the booking. That hasn't been particularly consistent with Aussie Open. They were never introduced upon being regulars in AEW under contract as opposed to when they were popping in for cameos last year with their... Will Ospreay, you would, they're meant to be the next best tag team in the world. Mm. DIY, American Alpha, the Bucks, the Aussie Open or the end of that throne, the team that they could be the very best. And they've been booked as teams that get beat um, to advance the teams they are getting beat off storyline. Yep. Dax Howard made that freaking cannon. He says, well, we don't need this, you know, you've been the sacrificial lambs for Chris Jericho and Guevara. You've been the sacrificial lambs for MGF and Cole. Am I being stubbornly anti-FTR because I really can't get along with half of their act? Or were they basically saying, yeah, you've done jobs because they needed a credible tag team to further their own storyline, and you were the sacrificial lambs, dot, dot, dot. On the booker's yeah. p- page, we don't need you to be, you're not going to be the job guys at Wrestle Dream. You're going to be the guys who are the great tag team. We're going to have a great match. What the hell was this? I don't think it was good at all. 
I didn't make that connection. But that's what he said. No, I took it that you, like, and this is Dax, and I ain't no word writer. (laughs) But, like, I I ain't no Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, what are you? You're on a losing streak. Well, why have they got the match then? Yeah. Even if it's... That was it. Like, if you say that, then you create an entirely different problem. Yes. What was the problem? There was one or two problems. I don't know what the problem is. Actually, you know what? God damn it. I want a solution. (laughs) The solution here was to, instead of doing the promo was to do the visual and then have, because it looked awesome, the Aussie opener, like, well taller than yeah. FTR. Great visual. And then have them do the belt gesture that we all love. Yeah. Taking the straps. I would have honestly like, preferred Triple H 2019 NXT booking to this. Ramp. Well, just don't talk. Yeah. Just do some stuff on the ramp and stare at a belt. Look taller than him. Do the belt just gesture. Just do Nout, basically. Nout would be better than the summit this was, because as he said, whether it's a kayfabe explanation of, oh, you're not that hot last year. All right, why well, they got a title shot then on a pay-per-view. Or... What you're doing before is fake. We'll give you a real fight and see how good you really are. You did a job. You did it. You did a favor for Tony Khan and did a few jobs. It's a sacrificial lamb for their fake story to happen. Yeah, we're gonna have a wrestling match with those boys. Like, what's there's one problem here, and I hate both of them. There's two problems, and I hate them both. It was too obvious to me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. When that graphic dropped for this match, that it's more than just the rematch. You could tell this was like, thanks, Aussie Open for doing two favors. You can have this now. Like, the Adam Cole, MJF one, and, like, in hindsight, the Jericho and Guevara one was egregious. If you needed to give Jericho and Guevara one win, why did it have to be Aussie Open? That's, uh, that's the one. That's terrible planning. That's that, the one. That is the sort of book where you think, mm, power's not back. Yeah. Power is not back. Have them lose the belts and give them a nice moment in front of the Wembley crowd because... You know who they could have just big. done? Best friends. Yeah. Best friends lose all of the time. Mm-hmm. Best friends on the sex card had a low-key go match in the 2020 Daily Space era. Nice bit of... Who are the real best friends here? Because they're about to fall apart. Yes, and, yeah. and the best friends are the absolute best. Someone has to go 50-50 in a wrestling roster. Mm-hmm. Way it works. I've always loved them. Best friends are the ultimate. We can go 50-50, it's fine. Because they have this sort of deadpan, oh, I've got beat again. But you yeah. still like us, don't you? Should have been best friends. Yeah. Because be- oh, best friends versus the kingdom on a TV match would have been ruined. <sighs> doesn't, <laughs> doesn't happen. We get a rundown of the 20 matches that AEW have got to promote before we get to Texas Death. Brian Danielson defeating Ricky Starks. Now, I was thinking about this match, which is, right, first thing I want to say is that this match was great. But I'm trying to tell you why I didn't feel as much as I did for it as I did the strap match. First of all, I was kind of thinking during this match, whereas I was uh, just bleed during the strap match where I didn't think about the craft of it at all. I was just drawn into this hellish war. That's like uh, Meltzer's 5 versus 4.3 as well, isn't it? Uh, 4.75, isn't it? The likes of which I was like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. It's so violent. It's so credible. It's so awesome. I'm just locked in. I didn't get that feeling. So I'm trying to work out what happened. And you know when you've got like a sneeze coming and you look at the light or you just concert and it just goes away. Mm-hmm. We can feel it, but it just doesn't come. This was an absolutely great match that didn't come together as a classic. And I'm sorry, that is the standard to which I hold the dragon. Yeah. There was so much excellent work here. And yet I had the, oh, I'm ready to just bleed, but I didn't get that. I'm overwhelmed by bloodlust and locked into the spell of hatred and violence. There were so many cool ideas, but I don't think all of them came off. The best moment of this match came in picture in picture, where after a really cool opening brawl around the uh, around the seats, they make their way to the ringside area, and it's like, Carnage, don't miss this. Look at what's happening. 
oh my God, Brian Danielson might get another concussion because he's lacing Ricky Starks with shoot headbutts, leaning over the announce table. It looks like he's going to... With Nigel McGuinness right there. With Nigel McGuinness right there. He's going to reduce Ricky Starks to a stump. Are you going to turn the channel over? No, you're not. You're going to watch a picture-on-picture. Danielson, it's such a weird thing to praise, is so good at... I'm going to do something before the advert that makes you not want to turn the channel over. All right, shoot, loads of shoot headbutts in Ricky Starks' face. Oh, my God. doing Hogan poses against Hagman in picture in picture. Yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> tremendous. I don't watch him do that. I don't watch Danielson <laughs> do that. And then Starks does a uh, call back to Danielson doing that craze dive to um, Morishima, was mm. it? Over the barricade, didn't really come off, but still looked. It yeah. still spoke to the carnage, even though it didn't really hit. Danielson. You didn't need the like. You didn't need to know the callback either. It was kind of cool within the moment of this match, yeah. Isn't it, as much as anything, because like Starks that. never does that. He always yeah. picks his spots. Um, and then we get to um, a continuation of the strap stuff, but then they escalate it by introducing a chain, which I thought was really cool. Mm. I think it came off because I don't think the chain stuff looked anywhere near as harrowing as the strap much strap stuff, but. Again, I think this was conceptually better than the execution. There were so many cool ideas here of, oh, you thought the strap was brutal. We'll do some stuff with a chain. So that's a great idea. I just don't think it clicked as much as the strap match. I should again reiterate, this was still great, but never had that same crazed bloodlust feeling of the strap match. Um, there's another, again, another great idea. It's like, oh, it's just not clicking as much. Where they do the Danielson at this point has got the... Arm, uh, the hands held and he's doing the stamps but onto a chair mm-hmm. and it didn't look like he was killing his head against the chair basically and yeah. just it didn't uh, it just wasn't clicking quite as much the finish is unbelievable beside Kuni wrapped in chain and then you get the spear cut off for a really convincing near fall and then he eventually hits some of the chain assisted beside Kuni and then that's the finish I just felt like they had a million cool ideas and if they'd clicked they might, this might have been as good as the strap, but every now and then I was just had that nagging feeling of this isn't clicking as well. It just isn't coming together as that moment in time that was the strap match. Nonetheless, it's just, again, this is the way I review things. Here are all the reasons I only went four and a half mm. as opposed to this is how great this match is, but that's just the way I analyze things, and that is why I'm a prisoner of my own mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you think of it? Be nicer. I... You couldn't like this more than the strap match because, as you say, like the feeling early on was that this can't top it, and that's all right, you know. Like, yeah, I blame them for not topping that. Exactly. For God's sake, you can't do that every week. Like, you the, know how I say I hold everything to a ten. I do. I'd never blame them for not doing a match as good as that. Well, it's why Omega Okada is such an incredible series because the second match has no right. The third oh, that's, match Ken, that's a difference between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, though. Well, yeah, imagine like, saying that on X. You well, couldn't. No, but like that series is as good as it is because. They dare to top the first one. Like, I should mention, sorry, before I forget this, Starks again teased, can I join the BCC? Yeah. But you was like, no, 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 you're better than me. So let's just <laughs> push you away. We don't want any of that. You versus Starks, that could be a bloody match. I I kind of wish Starks had won because I think, I'm not not interested, but I still don't know exactly where we're going with him as a I'm longer form character. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll get your thoughts on the match in a minute. I'm wondering if they're thinking, we'll give you Danielson, we'll give you Punk. You're not going to win them yet because you're not committed long term, but this is the incentive. Yeah. I that, feel like they're dangling the carrot. To yeah, that's there's more to come, but we do need you to sign a contract in order to give you more of it. Yeah, that could be it. Um, and I kind of like, so I think I couldn't say that this was better than the, uh, all out match because I'd be lying. 
I think this was better than a lot of uh, other Texas Death Matches in AEW. I am, you know, when you said on when this was announced and we were on a podcast and you went Texas Death, like, and that was enough. I kind of feel like the plunder matches in AEW have morphed like in a kind of one blob. Like they can all be great. There's a lot of Texas Death. There is, go on then. I'm listening. Well, they're the best ones. Give me the examples. You've got a much better memory for AEW. Box Archer. Yeah. Hangman Archer. Yeah. Hangman Moxley. Those are the three. Right. So Hangman. Level above, yeah. Texas Tornado matches. Hangman Moxley at Revolution? Yes. I forgot that was Texas Death until you just said it because it just chokes him out, doesn't he? Yes. Right. So, like, I'd like. That's on you. Is it a 10 count or is it a choke out? Like, so Texas Death is you got to be out for 10, haven't you? Out for 10, like it was here. Like it was here. So, but there so was that's just... why when he thought he'd had... So there was a spot in the match where Danielson thought he had Starks or the other yeah. way around. He thought, right, okay, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're not going to answer the 10, so I'm going to stand up. And then he got there. I think this was probably one of the more elegant Texas Deaths I can remember. The Texas Death lights out overlap. It's too great for my memory to cope with. Clearly, I'm too busy loving the Fed. You're too busy but loving like, the Fed. One of the other great finishes was Mox Archer, where you could actually see the barbed wire mm-hmm. like digging into Mox's skin. Yeah. So the more you try to get up, the more it would rip out of him a little bit. I was tremendous. Yeah. I, like, but I again, so I remember these things as like these the, the best. You should probably calm down on barbed wire in general. <laughs> the best epic AW plunder brawls. I don't necessarily divide up into what was lights out, what was no holds barred, what was whatever. Like Jericho Cole that we saw that was trash. What was that? No holds barred. No holds barred. Right. Like the, some can be terrible, some can be great. This was one of the better. You've got to keep him down for tens. I've seen. I didn't feel like. Uh, the stipulation insisted upon itself at all. I felt like they were in the middle of a fight, and at some point... It felt like a give, war. Yeah, like it didn't... Like I, I don't think they went to the weapons well in the way that, like, Moxley Daniels loves to. Yeah, there was just a little bit more thought into the, like, the way this was arranged and the point at which... The point at which Ricky Starks just had to give, and I, I think this served Ricky Starks better than those ones you've just listed did Lance Archer. Uh, did... Maybe even Hangman Page in the follow-up of the Moxley one. Like, I just thought so much more of Ricky Starks in defeat than I think I would have done if this was, say, Starks versus Moxley, yeah. for example, in the, the final big weapons finale. And that's, to Danielson's immense credit, I thought this was like a really, like... Like, there's there aren't many pay-per-view matches this year that have been better than this collision main that event. Was pretty aw- it was really, really awesome. It's weird, isn't it? I'm, I'm just trying you. to, yeah. I, I know that it like, I know that the feeling wasn't the feeling of whatever I consider my match of the year to be and that's almost unfair. You know when you're critiquing a match and being unfair to the wrestlers when you know I am, that's the I, I, I should say that, reiterate, I'm being shocking on yeah. Danielson and Starks here because they kicked each other's ass. This and was, they really felt like they hated each other. I think this was my, Here's where we'll really come together, Racedage. I think this was my favourite match in Collision history. And based on how high people have gone with some praise of Collision matches, think of the ground that covers. Yeah. Like, there are tag main events. There was the one that was the Bullet Club Gold match that nearly went an hour with yeah. FTR. There was the four-on-four four that people really love. There's been a lot. Collision's off the team. Strong main events. I think this was the best. Um, probably the best main event. I still think, honestly, my favourite match in Collision history... Usually I'm not a hipster. Usually I'm quite basic with the matches that I think, like Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega is my match of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Kenny Omega versus Kazuchi Ricardo from Dominion 2018 is my favorite match of all time. I'm quite basic mm-hmm. with like the collective critical acclaim, right? So anyone say, oh, 
this is a better match, and it's like some three and a quarter star match that's got like Shabbat in it on ROH. It's like, right, we'll get it. Yeah, yeah. You're a bit of a hipster, <laughs> and you think you're better than me. Yeah. Which you hate because you understand you, as Gola would say, I resemble that remark. Yeah. I've lived that life. Yeah. Yeah. But then I moved on <laughs> and stopped being so self conscious. Yeah. My favorite match in collision history, and it wasn't a main event, was FTR versus Big Bill and Brian Cage. I kicked ass. It was so good. <laughs> it was so awesome. That was the best match I've seen. It in had collision. real identity to it, and this did too. Yes. And I think that's right. what the kind of point I was trying to arrive at about like all of the weapons brawls. This felt like it had a little bit more meat on the bone than yeah. just, they're going to fight and bleed, and then it's going to be all said and done. I thought this was like a much better accounting for Ricky Starks. So basically, TLDL... Too long, didn't listen. We skip to the end for our general thoughts. I think this can be neatly subbed up, summed up, sorry, chubbed up, as uh, as, uh, Brian Danielson is better than CM Punk. On that note, if you disagree or agree with that statement, let us know under the Twitter X link to this podcast, at WhatCulture, at WhatCulture WWE on X. While you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... I think it's nice that Brian has a new spot to it in for now that the best is gone. <laughs> uh, at Michael Hamflet. Uh, CM Punk cannot lace Brian Danielson's boots. You can follow it's me at... Well at <laughs> you can follow me, you can follow me at M. Sidgwick um, on X. You can follow us all at WhatCulture WWE. Stick around. Are you reviewing SmackDown today? Yeah. Yeah, but we are. Will Bond's kicking out on the Feels like the first time in two months I don't have to review it. I'm delighted. Uh, well, can, Will Bond lost one because he's busy quizzing. You can find that on the various gaming channels at some point. So yes, absolutely. Good plugs, good plugs, good three drugs, three plugs. <laughs> uh, can, uh, you know, f- follow us. We've got more podcasts coming. See you later. I'm need my dinner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.